0: It is time to tune up the band and have a woo-off with Ric Flair, because it's time for another sweet chin wag. I am Sam, and as ever, joined by Dan and Rid. And Hello there, gentlemen. Hello, hello, yep. hello. So, we are giving you this podcast free of charge, thanks to those people over at SoundCloud. And, well, maybe, pending, I know that has become the running gag now, but pending other places pending. we're just gonna
1: keep that as a gag now <laughs> we should
2: we should we literally should at this point <laughs> now even even if we eventually get to the mountaintop we're just going to say pending forever absolutely yeah. absolutely. absolutely so even, even though we've had a break
0: in between now all of this you would have thought we've had that sorted no no so i've eaten my words of what i said a few weeks back saying maybe a couple of weeks so um yeah I will have to think up a suitable. Still haven't gotten that email yet. (laughs) I think up of a suitable
2: punishment for me. (laughs) Essentially, we are just forever waiting in purgatory. (laughs) Oh yes. So before,
0: actually, that's just reminding me. Before we get on to the news, we have a little announcement to say that we are now going to be uh, broadcasting slash uploading episodes of the Sweet Chinwag every single Monday. Um, not only is kind of like you can thank me for that (laughs) (laughs) scheduling conflicts as well as thinking life probably would be a lot easier that we can review the entire week gone by rather than slap bang straight in the middle as well it's kind of convenience more than anything as well as scheduling i'd say (laughs) yeah but with that out of the way let us get on and move straight to dan with this week's Wrestling
1: news. Ba, 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 ba. Wrestling news. You
2: missed a cue there, reading You you <laughs> you you elongated it out. Then Dan went straight in. I was like, I was like, oh fuck me, right, all right.
1: Fair <laughs> <enough."> <laughs> Look, right. we'll we'll figure this out, okay. Eventually. Freeform chaos is our is like kind of our remit. So We're like
2: jazz, man.
1: <laughs> you like. <laughs> It's about the statements they're not saying.
2: I'm sorry,
0: Charlie Parker. <laughs> I promise I'll come in on the right queue next time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when miles yeah.
2: Davis are just spinning in this
1: way. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh, I mean so we'll just cover the two big things first, so NXTs, uh, two nights of great american bash and aew's fighter fest um have you guys been keeping up with these
0: yeah yeah both uh, both uh, both shows from both brands uh i have watched and i liked actually i really 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 liked both of them they both had their ups and their downs but ultimately i thought they were quite positive shows
1: yeah, I, I mean, I, I can only really say the same. Um, they were both fairly good. I would probably say Great American Bash Night One was definitely one of the weaker shows that they'd hmm. done. Um, as well as the kind of the first night of Fight Fest as well, it definitely seemed like they were trying to uh, get their footing and uh, kind of figure everything out. Um, yeah, it kind of says the most when uh, I mean, I've got quite a lot for Great American Bash Night One. Uh, the team up of uh Prezango and Drake Maverick <laughs> <laughs> was a uh, an interesting one that I didn't expect but I kind of liked. Yes, yeah, and
0: well, I think it show. I think in that match I think it showed all of the skills of everyone involved and uh Legado yeah. del Fantasma I uh, just I think those Free as well just are fantastic wrestlers. It's good to see Santos Escobar as well really really coming in and getting his 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 claws stuck into a really good storyline so i'm glad i'm glad that in a sense they're almost making the cruiserweight title kind of like what it was on smackdown
1: i mean that's the thing it's really i mean we said that for myself and others on this podcast we 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 represent our cruiserweight brothers (laughs)
2: long may you reign cruiserweight pride (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cruiserweight
1: pride. <laughs> so it's great to see and also I mean I just love Drake Maverick because he's from the UK and so that gives me even more of a reason to love him. Oh that... even if he is still a bit of an idiot. <laughs> oh man,
0: that man, a staple of all Pinkton wrestling. Was <laughs> I watched him so many times, so it's it's it I'm it's just I'm just glad to see him actually in the ring wrestling.
1: Now. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, another concept, uh, other bits right? of uh, I know, <laughs> other bits of home of home pride. Uh, the Timothy Thatcher versus Only Lawken match, fantastic for Timothy Thatcher. Great showing. Oh, um, God, he I really love just did his storytelling in the ring. Um, his face said everything, really. God
0: I love this match. I
1: love if if,
0: if night one one of my favorite matches this was my absolute favorite match. And obviously it is because you know you both of you know what I'm like. and both of you know I love this style of wrestling
1: so. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> and then Even though it's a little bit detached, and won't make sense to many people if you're from the UK. But Tegan Knox is now the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. So even more pride for our fair isles.
0: Oh, so happy for this one. Because again, Tegan's another one that I've seen live so many times. And it's just now it's like after so many kind of uh, injuries happening to her one after the other and i i was worried and i was scared that this probably would have ended her career or probably would have stunted her momentum in wwe but you know the fact she's getting a, a number one contenders spot now is just like so happy for her so so happy for her yeah
1: much bigger much better things and then my final note for just the first night of great american Bash in, uh my thoughts regarding Rhea Ripley are well-established amongst you guys. Yes.
2: Oh, is it? <laughs> Contain <laughs> that first. But, Jesus. But,
1: even though 2020 hasn't exactly treated her the best, I have to say, even though it wasn't the kind of match that I wanted her to be in for this kind of event, her match against Alia and Robert Stone was quite a good match even though it was a bit weird in kind of... Inside the context, it was a bit weird and kind of made no sense, but I'm hoping it only goes to bigger and better things, because the spot where she was doing her submission, holding both of them up with one arm each, mm. was pretty fucking impressive. Ah, so good. And also the one where Robert Stone went to throw himself over the top rope and she just walked away. That was, that was kind of a big flex. <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: that was big Naito energy, if you ask me. Massive big. Naito energy. <laughs>
1: uh, going on to the second night, um, I mean, the, the highlight for myself, as I say, is Scott versus Johnny Gargano, oh, fantastic match. The two of them showed exactly why they are so great and really showed they do really work well together.
0: Yeah, I mean i've before we even started this i would rant and rave and hype isaiah scott so much to you two and i think and i said this before we started recording to dan as well is that if this is isn't the match that really convinces creative in NXT to really invest in isaiah scott as one of their big stars i don't know what will the man oozes charisma from every pore of his body and he's so smooth in that ring as well and i think this match proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is
1: so good so good yeah there was a there was a really good kind of exchange with them kind of teasing like higher risk maneuvers and them kind of you know dodging and evading each other's kicks and stuff it was just fantastic in ring work absolutely absolutely um, Uh, Just a brief side note for myself, Uh, I'm just going to say this because I know that she is building uh, some attention with her performances, I'm just going to say I'm not sold on Mercedes Martinez. Not yet. mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. not really sold on her. I still think she needs to kind of figure out what she actually wants to be, because she seems like a bit of a blank slate to me right now, but Mm -hmm. that's just me. Hmm. We get to the big, we get to the big story of NXT, Great American Bash, limitless Keith Lee, double NXT champion. Oh,
2: praise the heavens. Just no limits. Can't stop. Won't stop. Let's go. I
0: I heard the 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 jubilation and sheer pleasure out of Reardon's voice from where I was when I was watching it. So uh, I I was oh, I could not be any happier for Keith Lee. And oh, what a match. Yeah this
1: is this is the exact thing that we were saying
2: that we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't yeah. complain. <laughs> there is there's nothing more that needs to be said. This just hits all of our buttons. Yeah. Ab-
0: Absolutely freaking. And again, I think this match again proved beyond a shadow of a doubt Adam Cole is one of the best wrestlers in the world today. Just He's, oh my God! He was just—he was selling like a madman for Keith, and I and <laughs> and the fact that uh, to prove just how how incredible and how much of a freak of nature Keith Lee is to be able to like properly and smoothly execute a Panama sunrise onto Keith Lee. Oh my
2: God! It should not be possible, <laughs> and yet. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that bag can, can yeah, sell a Canadian saw... destroyer.
1: <laughs> but we saw Keith... I mean, the thing is, though, is at this point I'm like, I just see Keith Lee do a fucking Spanish fly with Dominic Dijakovic. <laughs> That's <laughs> is... probably the least expected set of moves and people I'd ever think. <laughs> That's very <laughs> could you, true. Could you, could you imagine if Mark Henry did a Spanish fly to Brock Lesnar? <laughs> I want to say that now.
2: <laughs> see, I, I will now buy one of the the old WWE 2K games and just changed <laughs> just to see that happen
0: ah so you were like me Reardon, and changed Big Show's entrance to Sinkara's. I did that all the
2: time <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seems that I do not quite have your creativity Sam <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. I'm not going to start with the hell I used to create in WWE 2K games we'd be here
0: all day let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll get my friend I'll get my friend on the podcast and he could tell you, well, he could tell us all about all the stories and all the things I used to do to try and mess the game up as much as possible. I
2: just uh, I just remember my 2K character in uni being the ultimate underdog and always getting beaten by my heavily statted up <laughs> housemate opponent who just used to choke slam the living shit out of him. But the one time he won, it was like Kofi he'd won WrestleMania. <laughs> oh
1: <sighs> my god! I'm just looking back to all these amazing memories now. <laughs> but we stay, we stay now to the to. I was gonna say the present day, but it's still technically the past. Talk about it, but um, mm. uh, Fighter Fest. What were you, uh, your guys' opinions on that?
0: Yeah, um as I said, uh like with um uh to open this up as well. I enjoyed this one. There are ups and downs of this one um uh, as well. Um of course a few really good highlights um that Dan will definitely go on about. But yeah, overall I did enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed the Great American Bash.
1: Yep. I mean, to be fair, the highlight for me of of night 1, if we're talking about in terms of matches I'd probably go MJF and Wardlow versus Lucha Express. Yes. Mm. I mean MJF is fantastic. I I love him and he's absolutely I think he's earned his right as possibly the dare I say the best the best kind of character heel in wrestling now. Mm. It's a big claim. (laughs)
0: That's a big claim, man. But I think a rightful one if I'm honest to
1: MJS. I I think he's really good and I think I really think he's found a niche for himself in that he's he's going to be a career heel. Mm. He needs to do that. He can't turn face. I don't. I don't think it's possible for him.
2: I, I you know, I like when it comes to. It, I'd like anything's possible, especially these days. I, I, don't. I don't know if I can fully be on board with you, Dan. But I, I would agree that I, I, don't want him to. Yeah. I think it's a better quit. But like, God, anything's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, same from uh, Night one as well. <clears throat> uh, The Rhodes versus Hager match, which was just a confusing mess. Um... Um... (laughs) Once again, the most devastating move in sports entertainment uh, got the victory. Mm -hmm. But um... (laughs) yeah, then Hager just started complaining to the ref, thinking that he'd won. He just looked like an idiot. I don't really know what else there is to say about it because I mean, part of the time it was just overbooked and had too many people coming in and distracting and stuff. Yeah. And in the same vein, yeah, you know, at the end where Jake Hager thinks that he's won when he hasn't, he's <laughs> taken a pin. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't like, MMA, I, I, Jake. I don't know. I don't know what to make out of it. Like, <laughs> <sighs> I mean, there was also Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford. Fantastic match. Yeah. Again, we all love Hikaru Shida here. Um, there's not really a lot else to to really say about it. But then we get to night two. And <laughs> I am just going to briefly mention this first. We are going to mention the Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho match. Oh. Oh. I know people are very split on Cassidy. Mm. Mm. But I think that he's. I think they found the balance now. Yes. Yeah. Between. Haha! Look at funny, lazy, slow man, and oh, he can actually go the ropes.
2: Mm. See, uh, uh, like I will tell you my opinion on Orange Cassidy. Quite frankly, I was all in day one. The moment I saw him. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Well, I'm, I'm not I, gonna. No. I'm not gonna pretend like <laughs> oh, I have to warm up to him. I saw him and I'm like, oh great, one of my new favorite wrestlers. Lovely. Yes. <laughs> That's, nice. That's it. I
1: saw him do a suicide dive with his hands in his pockets, and I was like, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know that some people haven't been as hot on him, and it's mostly the people that go around and say, oh, I'm a wrestling purist. Jim
0: Cornette.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're not mentioning his name after his comments towards the Osharai. No, yeah, no, not uh, not at so, not <sighs> all. Uh,
0: but oh my God, yeah,
1: I'm the same with but, you, Reardon. I mean, like you know, and the, th- the thing is, I mean, you know, even though he even though he lost, Jericho he did what he could to make him really seem like a a strong character. Um, and it was, just, I mean, to be fair, I never expected them to have so much ring chemistry, but they it worked.
2: I, I, did you seriously, Dan? Did you seriously doubt the David Bowie of wrestling, Chris Jericho? <laughs> you know what? You know, I doubt I what.
1: Thought, I I thought I thought that the way that they approach things wouldn't quite go because a lot of Jericho's matches are kind of about like just pulling out moves very quickly and breaking things and slowing the pace. Mm. Which I know it sounds weird. That a guy whose entire thing is they call him the King of Sloth style and slow pace don't seem to go together. <laughs> But like the thing that you're looking for is that moment where like okay, it's, he's actually trying now. Yeah, but I, get I, that. I mean, like I, I, I mean, all I can say is that they really did just work really well together. So, mm.
0: I think the f- thing that surprised me the most that this I, is that, that I came to the realization that oh crap, this isn't a WWE show because if this was the
2: case, Jericho would have lost. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That... I got nothing. You're just actually. You're just honestly correct. <laughs> I, I mean, and now, yeah. oh, now I, we hey. get to
1: the spot. And I'm just gonna say it right here this was probably the most fucking indie riffic
0: of oh, the most PWG match that ever PWG'd.
1: <laughs> like, it's like the most indie riffic, the most, like, the biggest, markiest spot ever. <laughs> Okay, But I don't care, because I was sold on
2: it. (laughs) I saw that, and I just... I'll let you say what it is then, but I'll just say, I saw it, and I was like, what is this dumb shit? I love it. (laughs)
1: Okay. So, we have an eight-man tag match. It's the Young Bucks and FTR, formerly The Revival, versus the Lucha Brothers... And I can't remember who the other two were.
0: Butcher and the Blade.
1: Butcher and the Blade. And, like, I'm just going to say it right here. Like, one of the loot is, like, standing in... is like, in position for, like, a good minute, <laughs> waiting for this moment to happen. <laughs> but we get... Uh, I believe it was Matt on the by the ropes, trying to throw a move, and then somehow, using the other members of the Loot as a springboard, Ray Phoenix runs, jumps off him, and then basically does a Canadian Destroyer to the outside onto all the people that are standing outside just having a fight. It, I, oh. All I can say is just watch it, because it's like, I, I love it. it, it's just incredible
0: oh man just ah just it's why i love seeing the lucha bros and the unboxing the ring at the same time because you know you're gonna see something that makes you flip the absolute heck out and these two these actually all four of these teams proved that they can freaking go so well and i think i know a lot of people kind of underrate the butcher and the blade are this they're kind of push to the side i think they proved their salt in this match if you ask me i think they are a very good big hoss tag wrestlers and um i'm liking the chemistry between ftr and the young bucks the storyline of all this mm-hmm. and them making mistakes here and there and then teaming up and then making more mistakes and i like i like that they're not that well, tony at the very least is not rushing this he's gonna get gi- mm. he's gonna give it time to build and i'm guessing he, no- he can't- I-, I guess he has the good business acumen to go, I am not giving this to people in an empty audience. I am waiting until we can get back to full audience and then we're going to give them the match.
1: Yeah, I mean, I- it just shows the-, the depth of their tag division and the real quality that they're working on above lots of other companies. I mean, WWE's tag division is borderline non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's pretty much just made out of singles wrestlers that they managed to stick together and the new day
0: <laughs> yeah yeah as as I said to, to you, you know, too. I said
1: like the, the only real tag teams that I know of in WWE right now are the new day the Usos and then I guess the Iconics.
0: Yeah. yeah they're the
1: only women's tag team that I can think of that are an actual tag team and not just two wrestlers that have been put ah, together
0: and let's not forget Cesaro and a revolving door of superstars that come in and out. No, uh... yes. <laughs> oh, that's so. That was so painful to say.
1: I know, it hurts. <laughs> but but uh... you know, it, it it's mm. great to see investment in the area because it it's definitely not a thing that should die out. Because mm. as we've seen from WWE's kind of, I mean, that attitude era time tag team. Wrestling was like a highlight. It was a thing to look forward to.
2: Oh yeah. You
1: had so many specifically designated teams, I just can't believe that they'd let it go the way it has. Yeah.
2: It's, it's an absolute wreck and it's ridiculous. And the worst part is that with like the tag teams that you've mentioned, the uh, the New Day, you know, the icon the iconics and like like they're all really good tag teams like the user so there they're all really good which makes it worse that they have no one to really play off of mm. <sighs> yeah you
1: know, I mean like I mean we'll go on uh, we'll go on a brief run and just say like very quickly this week's Smackdown was pretty much awful there was no real. <laughs> major highlights out of it I'm going to speak very frankly myself as a person who has been dealing with a lot of stuff the Jeff Hardy storyline hits very close to home uh, and it just feels so out of place yeah it was that was Um,
0: a hard watch but for all of the wrong reasons
1: you know I I understand why the commentators are saying what they're saying but hearing them saying it sounds very disingenuous and very much not something I want to hear or anyone should really want to hear when you're talking about such a touchy subject for certain people, not least I mean, if we're just thinking in the context of Jeff Hardy himself Um, so again, I have to kind of question it, but yeah, I'll leave that to them, and clearly they have something in mind but, I mean the the only way I need to say this is, uh, so as we established uh, for this uh, Ridden hasn't actually watched uh, the last episode of SmackDown, and I'm just going to say this to you, Ridden. There were no clean finishes. Excuse me. There was not a single clean finish. It was either DQ or roll up.
0: Um, you and, what? <laughs> and thus, the transformation to WCW has been complete. What the hell are you on about?
1: Both the what tag team, to- act, both the tag. No, so the men's tag team match ended in uh, DQ, which I will admit was good. It worked, because basically all the competitors just got in the ring and beat the crap out of each other, which I get perfectly fine. It ended with um, Cesaro Nakamura putting the New Day through a table by powerbombing Kofi through Big E on a table. All right. for that shit. <sighs> uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, I believe, was also was a roll-up. Jeff Hardy versus The Miz? Was it The Miz? I can't remember now. They ended in DQ, I think, and then whatever the other match was ended in a roll-up, and I was just like, okay, that's cool. Uh... I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, there's not really a whole lot else to say. It just wasn't really that interesting. Uh, I eventually just got bored of it, and then went to see if there was any more information on who was meant to be appearing at Slammiversary.
2: <laughs> Can I just say, Slammiversary is a terrible name.
1: <laughs> yes, <Exactly>. it is.
0: <laughs> it's it's a very it's a very uh, it's a very NWA name. It's a very Jarrett sort of creation yeah. for sure.
1: I mean, I'm not going to pretend like TNA slash Impact's um, uh, pay-per-view names have ever been particularly great. Uh, Nope. (laughs) 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 But, um, I mean, yeah, it just... It wasn't really much of anything at all. But... Hmm. Oh, and also... um, the absurdity that was the karaoke showdown, which I'm not going to mention more than saying that name. Uh, uh,
0: Just that. Just Just All you need to know is that. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh,
1: Should we just get on with the next
2: bit then? (laughs) Uh, It it seems like it, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okie doke. Okay, so, uh, yes... Does that conclude wrestling news by any chance, then? It does. Oh, nice. So then we can get on to uh, to the main portion of 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 this. Um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the the second part and probably the most depressing part of this chronicling of TNA: the rise and fall of TNA, Part Two, 2009 to 2018. So where did we leave off? We actually left off on quite a, a high-ish note. Uh, we you know the 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 evolution or the, the birth of TNA, the evolution of the X Division, the rise of impact, and uh, and and talents such as AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, uh, they'd recently just rehired or rehired Sting, hired Kurt Angle. Uh, and as we're going in, they're they're getting they're making moves, you know, they're releasing a video game. Uh, they've gotten a TV deal with Spike. Uh, they've extended to two hours, and they are now sowing the seeds of a super group of, of legendary, uh, of legendary wrestlers and heels. And may I just say, it goes all the way downhill from here. It gets messy. It gets very political at times, and it's not going to be nice talking about all of this because after such a really you good think? high after such a really good high it just gets worse okay so where were we Yes, so as I said uh, in the last episode uh, they were sowing the seeds of a super group of legends who were feeling like they were going to be disrespected by the younger guys the, 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 the stalwarts of TNA your uh, Samoa Joes, your AJ Styles uh, your Chris Sabans Alex Shelley's And so in the start of 2009, a supergroup led by Kurt Angle is formed, known as the Main Event Mafia. Now, memories, if we have, of around this sort of time, if you have these guys, of what you thought of the Main Event Mafia and its members, which were Booker T, Kurt Angle, Charmel, Kevin Nash, and of course the enforcer, Scott Steiner.
2: What a weird bunch of guys <laughs> together. That was my first thought, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe it's,
1: just, it's... telling people who can and can't be in the main event.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, trust me. We will get to that. And that famous promo.
2: <laughs> yes. It's, it is. That, I think, is the first thing. I Honestly, as much as I love some of the wrestlers in that stable, my first thought was... This is a hodgepodge of wrestlers. (laughs) It really is.
0: (laughs) So yeah, this was a time where Steiner had just come into the company. Uh, Around 2008 was when he actually uh, uh, came in. And... uh, you you remember the context of the time that Scott Steiner had PT Williams as his protege uh and if you remember uh it started off as 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 like sort of guidance and then slowly and ever so shortly PT Williams started morphing into Scott Steiner right down to the chainmail and the bleach blonde beard <laughs> It was a weird sight to see, and I bring this up because I said we're going to bring it up, but screw it, I'm bringing it up now. Let us talk about Scott Steiner math as a tangent.
1: Can I just say that at the moment that you started mentioning it, my first thought was I need to get the tech stuff in front of me because I just love it so much. (laughs) So, alright then.
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, we will go on to a a read-through of Scott Steiner
2: math as read by Dan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't agree to this. I did not agree to this. You know, they say all oh, men
1: are created equal. But you look at me, and you look at Smojo, and you see that statement is not true. See, normally, if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got 25% at best at beat me. <laughs> And then you had Kurt Angle to the mix, the chances of winning go drastic go down. (laughs) See, the freeway sacrifice, you got a 33 and 1 foot chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and 2 foot chance of winning, because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me, and he's not even going to (laughs) try. So Samoa Joe... You take your 33 and one-third chance minus my 25% chance, and you got 8 and one-third chance of winning at sacrifice. <laughs> but then you take my 75% chance of winning, if we wish to go one-on-one, and then at 66 and two-thirds percent, I got a 141 two-thirds <laughs> percent chance of winning at sacrifice. <laughs> Senor Joe, the numbers <laughs> don't lie, and they smell disaster for you at sacrifice. All right, that
0: deserves a clap.
1: There's just so much to unpack. It's just honestly incredible. Because the the thing about this is, right, I read this, and obviously there's so much
2: that's wrong with it. (laughs) That couldn't have been improvised. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's always what's got me about that. That That Um... had to be rehearsed. Yeah, I I think what gets me about it is like, there's so much wrong with it that you literally do- I literally can't, don't know where to begin with it. I don't know where okay. to begin Okay,
1: I will tell you my place where I start with it. Okay. It's that, even though it's ridiculously absurd, like, disregarding some minor details, he actually gets the math right. I mean, the math checks <laughs> out. <laughs>
0: That's, That's the amazing the thing. thing. <laughs>
1: i don't get it i think it's that and then also the bits that are just like at beat me winning drastic go down (laughs) and senor joe senor joe as well (laughs) yeah but um can i just preface by saying there's there's just so much with it that just makes me think like do do you think they knew what they were onto with this
2: I think they did, and they just couldn't stop it. Once, I mean, to that, be fair, I don't think rolling. Scott
1: Steiner would have realised that he was being like ridiculous as shit. But like, also, that's Scott Steiner.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I, 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 I kind of uh, feel for Petey because uh, I dare wouldn't want to stop Scott Steiner mid promo, would you? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> just may i add as well i freaking love scott steiner i think we can all agree that we freaking love scott steiner because he's nuts i
1: have i was gonna say i have a weird place of love for him but it only comes from him just being yeah yeah i think yeah i think whoever told him that chainmail and sunglasses was a good look yeah
2: i think my thing is like i love him up until he wrestles (laughs) that's accurate that's actually accurate you know what he is he's like he's like
0: the ultimate warrior (laughs) and it's weird when you think about it because in the early 90s he was bloody good I mean collegiate wrestler with his brother this is the man who gave us the Frankensteiner and Which is
2: such a great name for a move on. Oh top rope
0: hurricane, rather. Oh, thank you for that, Scott. Although, when he did it on the ground, he would sometimes actually uh, head plant opponents into the map, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, to be fair, Scott Snyder in his later years kind of became known for doing uh, things like that.
0: Yeah, and the fact he would still try and pull off Frankensteiners at his age and his mobility, holy cow. Scott,
1: can I just use this as a side preface? Do you remember the time when Kane used to do a Hurricane Runner? Yes.
2: No, I don't.
1: <laughs> there was I... a time where Kane did a Hurricane Runner. It was for like one year in like the two thousands.
2: Thanks, I don't st- believe you. <laughs> was I, was I don't st- believe.
1: You. <laughs> it was the stiffest looking thing I've ever seen. But I do vividly remember it because I kept thinking, "Why is he doing this?" <laughs> 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 anyway no scott steiner exists in this very weird place and i mean i love that promo just be- it's like a it's like a copy pasta before anyone realized what a copy pasta was. yes yes <laughs> disregarding the fact disregarding the fact that i actively use it as a copy pasta all the time
0: <laughs> oh you absolute legend um, Dan.
1: <laughs> um but like, it, there's there's just so much to it that just makes me wonder, like, I mean, again, we said, it feels rehearsed, but the fact that it was rehearsed makes it seem even more confusing that it exists in the state that it does.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And to think this, this promo alone in the context of where the wrestlers were at the moment was kind of the thing that started the main event mafia. So you, in a sense, can thank Scott Steiner and that amazing promo for that.
1: Yeah. I also (laughs) mentioned one brief thing as well for um, the main event mafia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we were going to get up to mentioning this, but I do just think, remember at one point: did Booker T create a belt for himself?
0: Ah, uh, yes. We were going to get straight into that and talk about like the, okay. the year condensed. Because I
1: remember that. I remember that as a very weird, specific detail. Because I remember that it changed names about seven times.
0: Oh crumbs! Yeah, after after the whole storyline ended. Yeah. Oh my god! Right. So shall we, get, shall we get on to that then? The year of 2009. And basically, the story was the Main Event Mafia versus the TNA Frontline. Uh, the young guys uh, coming up to try and, uh, and uh, show these guys that uh, that they're the mean business and they're the old guard and don't and need to kind of be brought down a, a step or two. And, of course, Main Event Mafia's old operational or, you know, uh, reasoning for being a, a group is because they weren't being shown the respects they would be they needed to be shown by the younger wrestlers. So Booker T does create the TNA Legends Championship and declares himself the first official champion. And of course, this is the time as well where Booker, uh, after leaving WWE, went from being Booker T, then going kind of digressing back into his King Booker sort of gimmick, except it was crazier uh i think that's the only way i can i can i can say can this
1: I, can i use this as an aside just very quickly there's an amazing um Twitter account that's followed in the veins of like um rick selling atomic drops mm. and uh what will mongo do next <laughs> um uh, which is the uh Booker T. commentary stan account love it it's fucking incredible
0: (laughs) Uh, oh i want to talk about some of the highlights as well and i'm glad you brought that up as well dad because one of the highlights was a tna impact that was kind of hijacked by the mafia and had kevin nash and booker t doing commentary except they weren't called booker t and kevin nash i think i remember kevin being called chet lemon And I think I think Booker T.
1: Uh, Booker T. was Black Snow.
0: (laughs) That's it. That's it. And these facial expressions the entire time were amazing in that impact. (laughs) But uh, at this time as well, I think Sting was. That
1: time was amazing. mm,
0: It was because you had Sting as world champion, um, Mm. kind of hip hopping the belt between Kurt Angle, who, by the way, I think had one of his best looking singlets at this time which was like the mafia style like the pinstripes with the rose on the side as well as like the the stars and stripes i was like that is a classy look for you kurt it's a shame that you're trying to Uh, grow your hair out because it looks awful
1: well i was gonna say because as as i distinctly remember i believe this was uh what we term uh peak angle era oh absolutely We was just doing I remember very vividly there was a time where he was in a match with someone and he just dived off the stage and did like a cannibal sent on off the stage. This was... was
2: one of the most ridiculous damn things i have ever seen in my life.
0: And that was in a match against Abyss, if I believe. Damn. I believe
1: so. There was that and then also the moonsault he did off the top of the cage.
0: Oh that oh. he completely whiffed on. <laughs> oh that was I believe a...
1: that was in a match against AJ Styles.
0: I believe so. Yes, and I believe as Uh, well, during this time, he did a 450 splash on Sting, uh, where he kind of misjudged the rotation and kind of did a 450 knee drop onto uh, Sting's chest. Yep. That was rough. That was rough. But, you know, kudos to Kurt for doing that sort of thing. The madman. Um... But yeah, in this year as well, we saw, of course, with the TNA Frontline, we had guess we had like AJ, Joe, and Christian being kind of like the the front kind of like leaders of the Frontline. There was a time as well where Christian lost and had to join the Main Event Mafia for a bit. Yes, Um, that was. I mean, there's. I've been all in all. I did as as a kid or as a teenager, I should say. I did like this storyline a heck of a lot. There was a lot of drama and a lot of like warfare thing that was harkening back to the days of um of i want to say kind of like the invasion if it was done right
1: well, in I, a sense. Say, I think i think i think if there's a way you're going to do an invasion angle so you're selling it as like people from other companies that now come in and want to like take over because they're like hey look we're all big and important that's probably the way to do it because it means i mean it, you know unless they're like I mean, I was gonna say unless they're like a career babyface, but if they're a babyface, you're not gonna have them as like invading. They're gonna be like, oh, this person's getting beat up, and they're gonna rush to join. Oh my god, they're a new person having us here. Hmm. But if you get a set like that, I mean, to be fair, they're all everyone in that group was fantastic, fantastic at being heels anyway. I mean, Sting yeah. flip flop between the, the roles really, yeah. whenever he needed mm. to, and he was fantastic enough to pull it off. I'm glad that Cut Angle, mm. Angle did it amazingly, I and mean, we all know how good Cut Angle is.
0: Um, what I really liked about Main Event Mafia was that each of them had their own time when they would do promos and vignettes to kind of you know shine. Um, one of my yeah. personal favorites, of course, were going back to Scott Steiner, was when they're all in the ring talking to Mike tenay and he's having a he's having a pop at Samoa Joe, as was the case of most of his run in TNA at this time. Scott is calling him a fat son bitch. He can't lace up my boots, or so the genetic freak, and Kurt's trying to calm him dad. and he just goes. He's fat that? <laughs> That'll make it bleed to just there, yeah, I think we could we can easily discern that we all love Scott Steiner.
2: <laughs> I just, just How do you exist, Scott Steiner? <laughs> he's how he's, you he,
1: he's like the crazy uncle.
2: Mm. He is. Like we love
1: like we love him, but at the same time we're like, please stay like five meters away from me. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can talk about all of this we talk about like, this 2009 being quite a good year for this storyline but there were a couple of things that a number of things actually happened in 2009 that weren't so good for TNA at all, case in point I want to talk about it because I I, I hated this match and a lot of people hate this match, probably the worst match ever and it has been um, rated as the worst match ever Charmel versus Jenna Maraska at Victory Road 09 in what was probably the worst women's match I've ever seen. And yes, I'm even including Jackie Gader and Trish Stratus. That one match on Raw. This match was terrible. Like, seriously, Jenna Maraska, think,
1: if if you don't I, I know... Think the thing, I think the thing with this match was that in a company that had really taken steps to solidifying its women's division, and like... I mean we're we're saying this in the context of like obviously we've had like what we're terming the the women's revolution Mm. but the tna knockouts division was really levels above any other company at the time so much Um,
2: it's not even funny it's not even funny
1: (laughs) consider the fact that in the time that the tna knockouts division existed it would have been around the same time i believe wwe would have introduced the divas championship yeah yeah Uh, And, I mean, I have my own reasons and my own distaste towards the Divas Championship. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) That's fair. um, Um, It regularly comes up being discussed as one of the, A, worst looking belts ever designed.
2: Hot take. Uh, I kind of like it. Hot take. Hey, I mean, if you're into tramp stamps... Look, I know, (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know, I just, there's something, I think if it didn't have the, like, the divas in that terrible font, (laughs) it would be much better, but in terms of, like, I kind of like it, I understand the reasoning. I, I, I
1: remember I heard someone describe it, I think it was on a video for Cultaholic. I said, it looks It looks like what a middle-aged man thinks that a young woman wants. Oh. <laughs>
2: yeah?
0: Yeah. Oh, boy.
1: But anyway, anyway, for a company that had spent so much time and effort really solidifying its women's division, which they called the Knockouts Division, which I think is an amazing way of terming it, by the way. Mm. Oh, yeah. Great mate. Um, And giving them high profile storylines. I don't know whether or not they I don't think they ever got a main event, but they often got quite high up the card for the actual title matches. Yes. <clears throat> um and disregarding some future storylines which I'm sure we'll probably get around to discussing. Mm. Uh it was pretty solid and it was good wrestling. I mean, I'm I'm going to say that in context for the time. Yeah. Uh WWE certainly wasn't offering anything better.
0: <laughs> mm. I mean, Given the the caliber of knockouts you had in that in TNA, you had the beautiful people. You had uh, Taylor Wilde, uh, under like underrated as heck, if you ask me. Um, we had Awesome Kong, Gail Kim. I mean, Gail. Kim, I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, think more of Gail Kim being in the WWE, but I think you know Gal Kim is a TNA wrestler. If you think Gail through Kim through. was good in her WWE run, watch her TNA runs. She is phenomenal. Even in TNA.
1: when she came back, she was impressive. <laughs> quality performer but all that Um, being
0: said this match is is just dire and you could tell i think from the second the bell has rung the crowd are just not having any of it and i think i think the thing where i think it pushes the crowd over the edge is when jenna maraska starts doing a flurry of slaps um on charmel and She's not putting full force. She is like so limp-wristed. It's it's horrible. It's just random. Really
1: oh. Yeah. Do you want to Pokedex uh, toilet match?
2: Toilet. Yes. Yes. Ah uh, yes. Toilet match, aka piss break. Yeah. Okay. So this is so horrible to say, but there's no good way of saying it. As we've established. Women's wrestling matches have a bad reputation of being terrible. They have a bad reputation of just getting some pretty conventional looking women and getting them to fight to basically have a cat fight for 10 minutes. Yeah. And they've been getting... They're the, lucky um, if they
1: get 10 minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, lucky if they get 10 minutes. And they basically get the thing of toilet or piss, or piss break, which is basically, it sounds what it sounds like. It's a match that is on, and everyone leaves to go to the toilet and come back. Oh, match is either about to finish or it's over. Now back to the proper wrestling, finger quotes. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible term. But... I and I hate to say it has some truth into it because they were just it's, it's just a the weird position so they got
1: saddled into really like mm, yeah you know yeah, there, I, there I, was there was no investment there was no real effort yeah. in
2: there's a great article on women's wrestling that talks specifically about that this time where they describe it I wish I had like I knew it offhand but they describe it as. Basically you have a wrestling match and then an announcer goes, And here comes the girls and Yeah. Then they do yeah. That, and then it's back to wrestling. It's horrible, but that is kinda how it was. That's, that's how, how it was, it was, was it at
1: that, was that was point in like the uh the, the mid through, through to late. late I mean, I would say through to like the yeah. Mid two thousands to mid two thousand tens was pretty much how it was.
2: Yeah, mm. and, and let's make something clear: we're not saying that everything is is perfect now. Far from it. No, <laughs> no, far goddamn from it. But it is object. I, I like, We cannot emphasize this enough for someone who doesn't watch wrestling. It is objectively much better now yes. than it was back then.
1: Yes. Well, they're actually getting a spotlight, and they're actually being given the opportunity to do actual like technical stuff. It yeah. feels a lot closer to where it was, uh kind of towards the '90s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I'm not going to say it was perfect then; it definitely wasn't.
0: No, 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 no. But, but you had, had... Plat-
1: they had actually had a platform to work with, and they were given the ability to actually work.
2: Yeah, mm. I, 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 I I'm, I'm most cynical. I say that though that the women's wrestling is now officially gotten to the point where it's as bad as the male ones. And that's a good (laughs) thing. Yeah, Very, very true.
0: I think you hit the nail right on the head there on that one. But no, uh, I don't advise going back and watching that match because it is a dark, that is a dark part of TNA's 2009 for absolute sure. Talking about another dark part, of, of TNA in 2009, Jeff Jarrett was finally outed for his affair with Kurt Angle's wife. Um, and... beanie,
1: beanie, be...
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it finally got revealed. Um, not, not kayfabe or not in storyline, but just kind of out uh, in, in backstage and on, on uh, wrestling uh, uh, news sheets that Kurt Angle, uh, uh, you know, Kurt Angle's wife, Karen had been having an affair with Jeff Jarrett. Um, and thus the tna board uh put jeff on a leave of absence uh, it was also during this time actually before that that Kurt, uh, no sorry jeff had brought in mcfoley to debut yeah, into TNA. i didn't
1: have to hear jeff Jarrett's entrance theme anymore
0: hey <laughs> <laughs> that theme was actually quite good it's probably one of his better ones if i'm honest uh <laughs> low bar <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah considering the amount of themes he has had that are terrible but i digress Um, So Jeff is put on a leave of absence, which means Dixie Carter comes in and now as head creative and booker, which finally leads us in to 2010. And oh boy, um, Dixie hires Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, and they make their debut on January 4th of 2010 on screen and as part of the booking team.
2: I, you almost see... heard, I'm sorry, I almost heard a bunderclap when you mentioned those two names. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Did
1: someone say Hulk Hogan?
2: <laughs> and and,
0: oh. and you think <laughs> and you think the changes would be slow? They were almost instantaneous. So the six sided ring is replaced immediately with a four sided ring. And Boo.
1: they start hiring
0: WWE and former WCW talents. And I'll read the list for you. We have Rick Flair. Robert Van Damerson, Mr. K Okay, Ken... I'm not
1: against that, though. I'm not I'm against, not against that one.
0: Dan. I'm not against that one. It's Mr. Rob Van
2: Dam, them
0: do stuff. Mr. Anderson. 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 <laughs> Jeff Hardy. Jeff Harvey. Hey Val Venus!
1: Scenario. Oh, why?
0: <laughs> and his best mates, the Nasty Boys. Just, yeah, just, just, just some of the things that Bischoff and Hogan were doing. Now, on th- on, th- on February of 2010, TNA re-signed a deal with Spike TV, which sees them move Impact to Monday nights, kicking off the Monday Night Wars Part Two. First episode took place in March 8th, and guess I want you to guess, guys, how long that Monday Night War lasted.
1: Two weeks.
2: I'm gonna say, yeah. I was actually gonna say about two, three weeks, two months.
1: About understandable, <laughs> honestly, a bit longer than I expected. Yeah, I mean, wow, I think like... it goes into the thing we said in the last episode. The reason that people liked TNA was that it offered an alternative product. Mm. Yep. People came because it was different to WWE, and, and oh, the and... all-knowing Hulk Hogan comes in and then all of a sudden he's like, no, we need to be exact
2: competitors. It's almost like
1: they never learned from WCW. <laughs> oh, I think... Actually,
2: so actually, considering our audience might not be as into wrestling, <laughs> strangely enough, strangely <sighs> enough, I think we might have to do a Pokédex on Hulk Hogan, strangely oh, go enough. Ahead.
0: Oh, God, here we go.
2: <laughs> Hulk goddamn Hogan. Uh, okay. So there are two sides, dear listener, to this. There's the Hogan that is presented, and the Hogan it is. Hulk, Hulk Hogan might be one of the greatest examples of never meet your heroes in wrestling history. Mm. <laughs> he is wrestling. Yeah. Like like he is wrestling. We have this thing in like if Triple that Triple H is the WWE or at least that's my pet theory. Hulk Hogan is wrestling at its very best and it's, it's absolute it. nadir. And <laughs> when it comes to the absolute nadir of Hulk Hogan, it is his absolute backstage politics in he is one of the most infamous backstage politicians in all of wrestling. Hmm. How it's, the, kind of, the... it's kind of
1: what happens when you get treated as god of the world for a solid 20
2: years. Yeah. When you when you get to that level of of a level of fame that is near impossible in the modern era, it kind of wigs you out. Yeah. And Well, there's a great quote that, you know, that power does not corrupt, but power reveals. Mm -hmm. Power definitely revealed Hulk Hogan to be a guy who really wants to have his boot on basically everyone's neck. The list of burials and wrestlers that have fallen out or have their careers cut short or ended is frankly astounding. Can I just say quickly...
1: um... If you, if for uh, our listeners, if you haven't watched it, uh, go and watch "Nobody Speak: Trial of the Free Press." It directly covers Hulk Hogan and a lawsuit that he had. It's amazing. It's a fantastic piece of documentary media. Anyway, continue.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, watch that. It is great. But so, so you might be a bit confused by everything we say, listener. If you have this image of Hulk Hogan as you know that that goofy '80s wrestler who was around, he was that. He's also, in terms of poly- in terms of the backstage, just fucking awful, just awful. And bringing him in was a bad, bad call. And as we will get to, oh.
1: uh, do you want me to quickly Pokédex on WCW?
2: Yeah. Oh God. Oh dear Lord. Yeah. Very I just quickly. I
1: realised I mentioned it by I've said an acronym, so I feel like yeah. I should explain it. Uh, yeah. WCW, I, correct me if I'm wrong here it was World Championship Wrestling
2: I believe so Yes. yes.
1: Uh, it was a promotion that I believe ran from 1990 or 1991 mm. yep. uh, to 2000 uh, it was uh, an early attempt at competing with WWE uh, which ran very well for the first few years of its life and then slowly declined and then reached the absolute uh, bottom of the earth hmm. by 2000 Uh, And uh, many people consider this time for TNA, uh, or as it was slowly evolving to Impact, uh, to basically be a direct reflection of what had eventually happened to WCW, including uh, the existence of Vince Russo, (laughs) Uh, the introduction Mm -hmm. and uh, allowing uh, Bulk's, bulks of additional talent that didn't necessarily need to be there and Mm -hmm. alienating a core group of talent uh, and also bringing in Hulk Hogan to do backstage politicking yes yeah (laughs)
2: and as Uh, I said so
1: history's kind of repeated itself a few times it's
2: (laughs) like it's like that one this is what really bugs me about all of it it's the fact that they had learnt nothing (laughs) oh man like this is gonna be like if anything listener please i i implore you to listen to our inevitable wcw one
1: it's coming it's coming
2: coming. it'll probably be and that one will probably be one of the biggest researches one because i'm going to be doing research dan's gonna like we're all gonna be having to research and have our notes together (laughs) for this one all my notes are just gonna be buff bagwell written
1: 400 times (laughs) But, no, I mean, I in,
2: but no, In all seriousness, in all seriousness, when, when, like, when that is out, I implore you, listener, to go back and listen to this one and see just how much lines up.
0: <laughs> just a wee bit. Oh my goodness, just a wee bit. Especially in this, in this timeline uh, of this second part, you'll notice it almost immediately. So. I want to talk about one of the, again, another storyline from this one, from this year of uh, 2010, of course. We, you know, Jarrett had recently had just come back and now for some reason uh, he had just started doing really odd jobs like a custodian, a chef. And then there was that very famous one where he started, uh, he was in a kid's karate dojo and beating up kids because he adopted a new MMA gimmick, double J, double MA. Taps out the little kids, bruh. Go all right for you too as well. I implore you to go find that promo on YouTube because it's the weirdest thing in Again, the bloody
2: world.
1: This is a thing in my head that I'm like. I feel like I remember this, but I also feel like that was a fever dream I had once.
2: <laughs> yeah, that I, oh, I I, think that's your brain. Like, I, I have of this theory that, when, especially when it comes to wrestling, the brain will ev- eventually has this moment when they see something really stupid, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, this is memory hole in this immediately.
0: <laughs> uh, this was also the year as well that saw the really, and I'm talking really convoluted story of a rick flair stable known as fortune going up against bischoff and Hogan stable immortal uh, this was so all over the bloody shop because this was the this was the time where rick flair was kind of taking aj under his wing and making him mini flair if you remember yeah. there was a time that, that that was the case but can what? i just
1: say because <coughs> i know what thi- i know what this is leading up to yes but my favorite but- my favorite thing about this time is that all of the members would try to dress like Ric Flair.
2: Yep. Oh yeah. Yep.
1: Now there's only one thing I'm gonna say, right? <laughs> AJ is a fantastic athlete, but the dress sense was painful. <laughs> Go yeah. back and look at
0: AJ. Just doesn't suit
1: <laughs> were looking like they were three sizes too big <laughs> it was bad i
0: think um, i think aj got his uh, suit mixed up with bobby rudes if i'm honest
1: Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but you Although, know, a funny thing you say about that is um <laughs> the, uh, beer money ink were part of the Fortune faction, and they didn't dress up like rick Flair.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So at least something was good in Fortune. and Immortal, on the other hand, was an absolute hodgepodge of a like a revolving door of wrestlers coming in and out. Um but it was also at this time, I wanna bring it up because I know these two know how much i have love for this wrestler but it was at this time of course that nigel mcginnis had debuted in tna and was going uh, under the go. name of, of desmond wolf uh and it's a real interesting story of how that came to be of course well because because brian and M- McGuinness had both been signed by wwe and were both going for medicals of course brian passes his one of course not you know telling wwe doctors about his history with concussions Nigel, of course, tells about his history involving his biceps injuries and he isn't signed. He isn't cleared to wrestle, even though he, had, though these biceps have been fully healed. He was ready to go. They, The doctors and WWE wanting him to have surgery on the biceps, despite the fact that McGuinness's doctors were telling him that he's absolutely fine and doesn't need it. But alas, he doesn't get signed and, of course, moves on to TNA and joins Fortune. WWE and- wellness, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. So this leads us, of course, to probably one of the famous moments of 2010. We get to gush over the famous Jay Lethal Ric Flair promo. You don't even need context for this. Jay Lethal.
1: (laughs) Context uh... doesn't help you. (laughs)
0: No, context really really doesn't doesn't help you. So (laughs) Fortune are all out there goading, being the heel faction they are. Out walks Jay Lethal starts talking directly to Ric Flair as Ric Flair.
1: He's can I just say he sounds like he sounds better as Ric Flair than Ric Flair does.
0: And I think you can see that. If you go back and watch it, you can see that in Ric Flair's facial expressions going, God damn it, this kid's doing me better than I ever could.
2: <laughs> it is I am then up the thing that makes it so unbelievable is the fact that, i I described, because um, this is actually a new thing for me, relatively speaking, where Sam brought it to my attention, gave me a gif <laughs> of <laughs> this, and I described it to Sam at the time, and I'll describe to you now, Dan, as Ric Flair reacts to this like a dog has, has reacts to his own reflection.
1: <laughs> that's, that's honestly the thing, because I remember this, because I specifically remember Jay Lethal's black machismo gimmick, which was when he was ra- basically Randy Savage. Um, <laughs> uh Brief, I'm going to quick here. Pokedex, Randy Savage, one of the most amazing wrestlers who ever exist. Um, yep. And he exists in his, exact- exist in his own space. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one can really compare to him. But Jay Lethal came along and was like, I'm going to just be... Randy Savage, but also Black, and it's incredible. Um, but, like, there's so many great moments in there, especially where, like, Ric Flair looks at him and he's like, actually, like, he, he knows he can't laugh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you want if you want my personal favourite highlight from this, it's really weird because it doesn't include, well, it doesn't include Jay or Ric Flair. It's a moment where AJ Styles interrupts. <laughs> yeah! Yep. And he just goes like, You step down here, I'll break your neck. <laughs> I love it so much. Because um, he just, the Georgia accent comes through so strong. <laughs> and, I love it. Jay Lethal that... does the elbow drop on the jacket. That <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, flair. You step down here, I'll break your neck. <laughs> Just Flair
0: Um, just just marking out when he goes,
2: Wow! You don't know what sixty minutes is He's just like it's just the look of absolute respect and he is so impressed that he's actually pulling it off.
1: And there's the moment where he um where they're like uh where they're just going through Ric Flair's catchphrases and there's a moment where Ric Flair is like running out of breath and he's like kiss stealing wheeling dealing <laughs> and he just looks, like he looks like he's run a marathon and he's like they're like only three minutes in and he is just like so out of breath trying to say it it's so incredible
0: <laughs> oh it's just oh mwah. just mwah. so great yeah. I just loved it so damn much. Right. Um, I, I think, honestly, there's not much that really happens after that we talk about 2010. Like, you could tell it was getting ridiculous. But you thought the least, all right, right, all right, all right, all right. Maybe, maybe they could do still, you know, be the TNA we know and love. 2011 rolls right along. And this is where things start to get bad, actually. Because 2011 was the year where they rebranded as Impact Wrestling kind of changed to kind of going from red to blue um they had uh bought ovw and uh dealt with a relationship with a, an indian-based wrestling promotion called rinka king if i believe
1: yes uh
0: but 2011 i want to kind of really skim over because it was not a great year there was not a lot to be highlighted about um like f- like a mortal and fortune were just there and not doing anything at all hogan was just being hogan bischoff was just being Mm. bischoff and i don't want to talk about victory Road 2011 because given (laughs) the current storyline and current current Um, jeff hardy's going through i don't want to touch
2: that with a barge pole that's fair that was actually something honestly i was waiting for you to speak on considering how important it is but if you don't want to do it, I will not. Like, I'll
1: just take, I'll take the reins over briefly yeah. to, to talk about it. Uh, and Just to say, basically the, the event at Victory Road 2011, I'm just going to say this, it wasn't a great pay-per-view anyway disregarding what happened mm. in this match. Mm. But pretty much, it was a guy at his worst being put into a situation he should have never been put into that realistically sting who was his ring partner never wanted to do like you can see the resignment in his face and when jeff hardy is going down to the ring you can clearly tell he does not seem like he actually knows where he is Mm, yeah like normally jeff hardy is like big and explosive and very loud with his movements and like here it looked like he'd been put to like 25 speed
2: yeah. yeah it
1: should yeah. have been clear to anyone that he should not have gone anywhere near that ring yeah yeah
2: but uh, it, it it does have it's a terrible moment but it is it is a quite a memeable moment mm.
1: oh I it de- is it absolutely. i i'm thinking
2: theory, it. The, yeah like the actual experience of it is 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 horrible to watch, and, and it's bad. But it does have one kind of, like, darkly humorous bit where, where the fans are so upset by what happened, and you just hear, Sting is walking up the ramp, and you just hear, that was bullshit! And Sting immediately goes, I agree! I mm-hmm. agree. And it's horrible to say but it's kind of funny but it's also like very much not
1: well no i think you can take you can definitely take that out of it but it's kind of just it went, because like i mean you know it's a pay-per-view it's Mm. tough you don't want it you don't want to write out your main event on pay-per-view and be like oh whatever but you know there's so much they could have done to avoid that situation yeah you would have thought that he would have had some kind of contingency, especially knowing where Jeff was at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially after he'd been through some hardship um, and had said that he had relapsed yeah. um, and was no longer receiving treatment, so you would have thought there would have been more consideration in that aspect to actually do something about it. But no, it, it's... A dark stain on Jeff's Jeff's amazing career, honestly, and it's kind of been a thing that's always affected him. Yeah. yeah. And I think it did go to show the very clear frailties and how um, they were operating at the time.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Um, I'm glad that we can, that that at the very least, Jeff certainly looks like he's definitely cleaned up. He certainly looks like he's in a better mind space. That's for darn sure. And I, mean, I hope, and I hope that this storyline with Sheamus doesn't last too much longer now because it's getting a bit silly, if you ask me. Moving on mm. to 2012, then we had uh, quite a few good highlights. We actually had Austin Aries become TNA World Heavyweight Champion, which, I'm, in, honest, in all honesty, was a very good storyline. Of course, he was the longest reigning X Division Champion at the time, and kind of used what was then what was to be lovingly called as Plan C, which is giving up the TNA X Division Championship to go off and face Bobby Roode for the TNA World Championship. These two work so well together. I love. I Mm -hmm. remember this match watching it on Challenge, actually, and uh, what a
2: match. Mm -hmm. Os Aries. Hell, man. Look at Sam bringing back Challenge in my brain. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. They, this they would had, have been
1: had to deals with uh, Bravo and then Challenge.
0: This would have been the time as well where they had introduced the Challenge exclusive show British Boot Camp, which of course Spud or Drake Maverick won and got a TNA contract. Fuck yep. me, man.
2: Which yeah, you very got...
1: good because the state of I will just say this in the side: British wrestlers have always occupied a very weird place in TNA slash Impact. Mm. Indeed. <laughs> uh... I mean, I'm just going to give a brief mention to one of my favourites who I believe was around this time. Do you remember Magnus?
0: Magnus, yes.
1: Very uh, vaguely.
0: Now,
1: uh, now competing as Nick Aldis, he's the NWA World Champion.
0: Mm. I tell you, going from Gladiators, the reboot of Gladiators, to TNA, uh, to now being NWA World Champion, I tell you, that's, a, that's one hell of a
2: career yeah. progression. I... I will hold my tongue lest we could lest we derail into talking about how great gladiators. is. Gladiators <laughs> was awesome. We had
1: Rob Terry.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> but let's not forget, actually, the legend, the British legend at that time, Doug Williams. We cannot forget Hell how good, yeah. bloody, oh, good Doug
2: shit.
1: Williams was.
0: Um, and I saw his la- his actual last final match uh, back in 2018. So this is a bit of a somber note for me. But I don't think he was given credit due. He was head trainer at OVW at the time, was a multiple time X Division champion and was a technical freaking master. Doug Williams is awesome. That's all I'll say (laughs) before I go on about it. Because we're going to move on to 2012 and 2013 and we're going to talk about Aces and eights. Oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> right, so what do you what do you do when you're the head booker of a company who loves Harley Davidson's, so much so that when you were head when you were head president of WCW you made a pay-per-view solely based on motorcycles. You take your love of that, sons of anarchy, and thinking, Alright, you know what, let's create NWO again. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you get the Aces and eights, a really, really, really weird faction that kind of started off cool kind of being like oh there's these renegade people that kind of came in maybe have just attacked these guys randomly may not even be part of tna they were had their own twitter account where they were calling out hogan and sting and then coming in to beat them up but then it slowly slowly became just unraveled as soon as it kind of kind of started if you ask me
2: Mm.
1: it always kind of exists in this weird place because I think there's a place for something like that. Like a kind of loose biker gang type faction. Mm. Like, it definitely has its place. I mean, God knows weirder stuff has gotten over in wrestling. Absolutely. (laughs) And I mean,
0: think of it this way. This was... I want to dare say, right at the beginning, especially at the beginning, this was another Hogan vehicle to make him seem the hero for sure. Because oh, of course, uh,
1: when they that go- was basically all of Hogan's booking.
0: Absolutely, because you had Hogan being
1: kidnapped, despite the fact that the fans treated him as a heel.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, I just I
0: don't I I don't know I really don't know because this was at the time as well where um, Sting was. You know, was kind of like Joker Sting, but was kind of weaning himself out of that because of this happening. Uh, God, yeah. I remember Joker Sting. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, hey. But, um But I think what really kind of um, knocked this a bit was it was too much. It was too much exposure, and there were so many swerves for the sake of swerves that it got silly. So yeah. if we remember... to say
1: Vince Russo. Oh,
0: uh, yes. Indeed. Uh... <laughs> let us let us remember that um, it started off with a few members. So, I think it was like five or six members. And then it kind of ballooned and so. ballooned. And when people started getting unmasked, I think the reveals started getting more and more ridiculous. So we had TNA, the TNA locker room, helping out. Of course, trying to defend uh, TNA's honour and aces and eights and stop Hogan and Sting being attacked all the time. Uh, we had Bully Ray... Uh, being kind of one of the head people of uh, of attacking aces and eights and making sure that they stayed back. Because this also played into the storyline of Billy Ray and Brooke Hogan being a couple. Brooke Hogan, ladies and gentlemen. Oh.
1: Who came up with that storyline? I want to know who thought that was a good idea. Bischoff. I need to have words. <laughs> we have words but... of Bischoff and
2: Hogan on Twitter, shall we? Uh, I think words... Word would... Would kind of be the fail, would be a failure. I think it'd just be word. That word would be fuck, and then that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Let
0: us remember at this time who was uh, revealed at the moment as as members of Aces and Eights. We had uh, Dilo Brown, Mike Knox, Garrett Bischoff, and Wes Briscoe. Uh, and we also, I think just before that, had had the former Luke Gallows uh, revealed as a member, but he was known as the Director of Chaos or Doc. Uh, or the Doc, as everyone knows. Um, so it, I, re- I remember as you well. Just, I,
1: hate, I hate that you reminded me about <laughs> Briscoe and... Garrett um... Bischoff.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I heard that i heard that just i, I felt the air go colder <laughs> <laughs> let us remember just as rem- well.
1: reminding me that they actually competed
0: yeah let us remember as well who was the big but the, at that time the big reveal the vice president of aces and eights the well the just recently released and left
1: brother devon testify (laughs) that was a shock it was a
0: shock purely because Devon had kind of left TNA Uh, it seemed like after he defended the television uh, the newly christened television championship may I add it was the legends championship after defending that and losing it he he seemingly left TNA for good on his own terms and left so it was a shock to find that Devon was the vice president and yeah it was holy crap it was one hell of a, a reveal so I'm building this up because we get to the the, the most famous part, a wrestling wedding. Bubba Bully Ray proposed to Brooke after they were in a relationship for, what, about two weeks? And Hogan was like, you can't do that, brother. Brother. Brother, 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 brother. And of course- the Jack. Whole, <laughs> brother Jack. You and can't co-
1: marry my daughter,
0: dude. And of course the big wedding ceremony happens. And tad uh, sorry, uh bully ray has his best men which is taz and tommy dreamer uh, and of course taz you know interrupts you know when the when, when the vicar goes speak now forever hold your peace and he goes oh is it me or is it hot in here and oh my god taz reveals an aces and eights vest and then aces and eights fade the ring and beat everyone up and and, and thus it's settled like i think it was uh it was a, a cage match that was happening and uh, if they if if TNA win it, their Aces and Eights are banned. They're gone for good. So it turns out in that uh, in that I think it was for the oh, it was for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. This cage match was as well. Yep. Uh, and of course the famous moment of where uh, where Aces and Eights invade the cage. They uh, they they beat up everyone and they just look like they are about to beat up Bully Ray and Jeff Hart. I think it was Jeff Hardy. Where uh, so. and when they grabbed the hammer, just about to hit him. And a Bully Ray out of nowhere just hits Jeff Hardy over the head with the hammer. And Bully Ray is world heavyweight champion and revealed as the president of aces and eights. Oh my God! No! Again, also at the same time, ah, but what? Hang on, this makes no sense. So, you are facing Aces and Eights. You get beaten up numerous times, but then it's revealed you're the president of Aces and Eights. When it was like a few week, weeks back, the president of Aces and Eights in the ski mask looked nothing like you and also had the voice of a pitched down Eric Bischoff. You're meaning to tell me you're the president? What?
1: Don't
0: question it. <laughs> That's, that, was about, that was about to say that. Don't question it. Shut, I, your, shut your mouth. It's I I I I I can't even. I can't even. But um I, I don't even know what to say for this because it gets worse here. Tito Ortiz comes in uh to be oh his gosh. sergeant of arms. And this is the same time where the main event Mafia has been reignited with Joe, Angle, Sting, Magnus, and Rampage Jackson.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: yeah, we don't forget about Rampage Jackson. Here. Oh, fucking hell. And you know what this was for? <laughs> this was to advertise Bellator's upcoming pay-per-view of Ortiz versus Rampage Jackson. But, of course, that didn't happen because Ortiz being Ortiz pulls out last minute. Oh, hot take. I said it. Apologies, Tito. Please don't beat me up. <laughs> oh, I forgot that that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it totally was a thing. And, of course, at this it- same time... AJ had been had been uh, going through a a long storied um, storyline, of course, which leads into the whole Claire Lynch thing, where Daniels and Kazarian were saying he was in an extramarital affair with someone, um, and the whole thing of the oh baby, her God. being pregnant. Of, Why don't you care for the baby, AJ. Why don't you care for the baby, AJ? And of course, this sent. AJ in a spiralling depression trusted no one and he had a very dark brooding gimmick where he was wearing a leather jacket with a hoodie with long hair.
1: I eat. that's not my kid.
0: <laughs> and of course his loyalties were being questioned. Was he part of Aces and Eights or was he part of TNA? God. Of course AJ was like I'm part of no one, no one at all. And of okay, course... Sam, 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 give me a second.
2: This is a this lot. This is a lot give to take in. <laughs> If you're listening to this, listener, oh my god. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Yo. For I,
1: AJ just became the, the, the guy who
2: wants to play the brooding, chaotic neutral. Yeah. He became
1: this, the Edgelord.
2: Yeah. This is such a Jerry Springer. You know how we mentioned that Vince Russo really likes Jerry Springer? hmm. This is where that's starting to take over really really badly dear god please yeah. continue
0: son. uh so it, it it all culminated and came to a head in uh i think it would have been bound for glory i'm i'm pretty sure it was bound for glory where i think it was aces and eights versus the main event mafia um and if if one team wins it or loser leaves tna basically and I remember they were one they were one member short, the Mafia, and out comes AJ Styles, who then pledges his loyalty to TNA, and they go on to win the match. Of course, I also skim over the fact that Chris Sabin at this time was TNA World Heavyweight Champion for a little bit, uh, but then lost the title mm-hmm. back to Bully Ray. Um, and, uh, yeah, and at the last match ended up being Mr. Anderson versus Bully Ray, and... Uh, if Anderson if Anderson loses, he has to leave. But if Billy Ray loses, the aces and eights are officially boom, no more. And of course, Mr. Anderson wins that match, and thus concludes. I mean, I, that is skimming it because I could go on all day about like how uh, that really was. I mean, at this time, basically
1: it's where... a load of detail, but actually having the detail does no service, to actually helping you understand any. <laughs> At yeah, so
0: freaking lootly. So we move into 2014. TNA, as unfo- uh, on their way up to re-signing a deal with Spike TV, has that kiboshed when it's found out that Vince Russo has secretly been being hired as a creative consultant for TNA, and Spike hate Vince Russo. So when they found this out, um, they quickly ended and re- uh, ended any kind of renegotiation deal they had with TNA because they had been lying to Spike about Vince Russo not being
1: employed by them can I just establish something quickly did we not also mention this before
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs) Vince Russo had been brought in under the table to do creative duties yep Yep. it's almost like they're never learning (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: the best part of it was Vince Russo, the only reason this happened was that Vince Russo had uh, emailed creative plans not to Mike Tanay of TNA, but to Mike Johnson of Pro Wrestling Insider. So that's how it happened. That's how Vince Russo was found out uh, that he was still working for TNA. I mean, I think yeah, it would Johnson, have been...
1: Yeah, ob- Johnson, easy mistake to make. I don't know. I, we happen to the best of us. In
0: all honesty, it amazes me that Spike didn't realise sooner because the amount of gimmick matches and silliness that was happening at that
1: time. Again, it's disconcerting me how I feel like we've had this exact conversation already because <laughs> I'm like... I distinctly remember us talking about, like, kind of 2002 to 2004 and, like, maybe two 2000- thousand Five as well, and talking yep. about hey, he came in under the table, but you should have realized that from the stupid amount of gimmick matches that were happening. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was also,
0: oh god, Redden. no, no, go
2: ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It was
0: also in 2014 where Jeff Jarrett had officially resigned from the company. Uh, he was still classified as an investor, but Jarrett at that time revealed plans to start off his new promotion, which was called Global Force Wrestling. The departures didn't stop. Sting, Saban, Hernandez, Daniels, and Kazarian had all left, including Bully Ray and Devon, all in 2014, may I add. <laughs> that was all of 2014. And as I said, with Spike, lose, with Spike now not, you know, saying goodbye, you lied to us this entire time, Dixie. What the frick were you doing? They needed a TV deal. Now, as history tells us, when a wrestling promotion loses a TV deal, it usually ends and signalises the end of that company. But somehow, TNA is the little company that can, and they got a brand new TV deal. Partnering with Discovery, communications of all companies, and airing their show on Destination America which is really weird channel to think of it's like i think destination america is kind of like a very an americana touristy kind of channel where it's like they talk about like certain uh, aspects of america so to have a wrestling show i guess it makes sense but at the same time documentaries wrestling eh? Eh? it's a weird decision <laughs> but again this one didn't last very long as we move into tw- 2015 and uh billy corgan of The Smashing Pumpkins, joins TNA as Senior Producer of Creative and Talent Development.
2: Now, if anyone doesn't know... Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Before you explain this, that bullshit. Say that again! Billy Corgan, of The Smashing
0: Pumpkins, joins TNA as Senior Producer.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, did he not have something to do with Ring of Honor?
0: he had i think he had like a passing kind of um like a passing interest in ring of honor um, but he wasn't part of the creative team or backstage kind of crew i,
1: I, I distinctly remember i believe there was something where he invested in ring of honor that's hmm. the most i can think about it
0: yeah but he i think it was after this that he invested i think after because they were on destination america uh and so was Ring of Honor at that time as well. Billy Corgan jumped into TNA working in the backstage role. Now, if anyone doesn't know, Billy Corgan is a massive freaking fan of pro wrestling. Like, he doesn't shy away from the fact that he's a mahoosive fan of wrestling. So he saw this as an opportunity to kind of get in and kind of try and see if he can make a difference. Especially to a company kind of like going into the doldrums as TNA. So it was also at this time that they had changed their name from TNA to to impact to kind of get away from the from the bad taste of what had happened previously with Jarrett and Dixie Carter um thinking you know maybe a fresh start will do the job. November twenty fifteen they sign a new deal with Pop TV to air Impact. Now this is a this is a weird this is a a difference here. So when they got this deal, Impact weren't being paid to make shows they were just Given a slot on a TV channel to 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 to, to provide a show for them, and so th- oh, no right. <laughs> doubt this is when they started hemorrhaging money like so much money. It was at this I think it was would have been around this time that Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis would debut in Impact as well, making a bit of a difference. Also, oh damn, this was when uh, Ethan Carter the Third. Started Hell getting that main yeah. event push. EC3. <laughs> uh I, I tell you the shining light I think this time would have been EC3, uh being world champion. It's about
1: the only shining light along with um Rockstar Spud, aka Drake Maverick.
0: True. Oh my god. Him being manager for EC3 was amazing at that time. But I digress. 2016 saw the departures of TNA veterans Eric Young and Bobby Rood after twelve years in the promotion. Of course, they would go on to debut soon after, really, in NXT. Mm -hmm. So, August 12th of 2016, sees Billy Corgan promoted to become the new president of TNA and then buy an 85 I think it was an 85% share, along with Anthem Sports and Entertainment, becoming the parent company of Impact Wrestling. And, of course, they were the parent company as well of Fight Network. So they offered to help TNA, and uh, repay Morgan, uh, Corgan, I should say, for the loans. Because, oh yeah, uh, Billy Corgan gave Dixie Carter a $1 million loan and uh, with the promise of it being coming back to him within six months, but Dixie Carter never paid Corgan back. And so began a very, very, well, uh, a very, very slow and iffy court case uh, uh, of Billy Corgan suing uh, <laughs> Dixie Carter... <laughs> And TNA. Don't agree
1: to loans, kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that means, oh, this is where it gets so weird. Like, 2016 to 2017 and 18, this is where it's just like, I can't say much here, because this gets silly, how bad this gets. So, Anthem then chain uh, then uh, take over. Corgan leaves TNA and they bring back, uh, of course, Anthem, I should say, buy pro- his stake of TNA. And so now they're the parent company. Dixie Carter retained a 5% minority stake, but resigned as chairwoman. Uh, they ended up being uh, turned into Anthem Wrestling Exhibitions, with Ed Norholm becoming the president of this new parent company. So Anthem rebrands Impact as Anthem Impact Wrestling. And they bring in guys like Drew Galloway, Matt Hardy... Jeff Hardy, Crazy Steve, uh, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis. But they soon leave the company pretty much after, like shortly after Anthem buy it. All right, this right, I'm not even like I'm not even getting like not even finished here. And it was around April of 2017 where Jeff Jarrett renews his interest and buys TNA along with Anthem. And Thank you, start make, <laughs> making more shows. And of course, he had his own promotion at the time, so he strikes a deal with Anthem and, a, and an agreement to change Impact Wrestling into Global Force Wrestling Impact with Anthem at the bottom. So, why this is also, I should say at this time, this is when uh, uh, Anthem released the Global Wrestling Network, which was their version of the WWE Network, which showed old episodes of TNA. Now, why did <clears throat> uh, GFW not last very long? um Well, if anyone remembers, how long have we got? Well, <laughs> man, right. So in October of 2017, Jeff Jarrett is terminated from his from 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 his own company because he showed up to a triple A event um, completely shit-faced throwing tortillas into a Mexican crowd and looking blown up as 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 frick he it was horrible he was dealing with a lot of alcoholism problems and this again was just this was just like the nail in the coffin for jeff jarrett ever having tna or global force back um i i I just hate saying that because just the racial connotations of throwing tortillas into a crowd as well and just being drunk out of your mind um yeah that's professionalism like there
1: there's a lot of bad decisions in that statement
0: (laughs) (laughs) to say the least yeah (laughs) and so pretty much that time when they had gfw branded everywhere anthem had to were looking to buy the gfw name but they didn't negotiate with jeff over the trademarks so jeff still had sole ownership of gfw And so quickly, Anthem had to change back to Impact. May I add, this is still 2017. (laughs) And so, the funniest part, and I love, like, um, if you watch OSW Review, they bring this up as well. They had all of the... They had removed and gotten rid of all of the TNA titles, and so had to use the GFW titles. Which is a problem, because they have global force, like, plastered everywhere. So what was their quick fix? They put a big that impact wrestling sticker on the center plate the problem was of the world title is they had gfw still on the side plates
1: (laughs) it's almost like someone made a lot of bad decisions
0: (laughs) it's a shame correct me
1: if i'm wrong as well i believe at this time did they not launch like the global wrestling network thing
0: Yes, yeah, I, I, which I did, yeah, yeah I slightly touched upon that. um Yeah, earlier. and it's
1: really funny because the thing that Impact still does its webcast on is still called Global Wrestling Network, and it's still branded in green and black. <laughs>
0: yep. Oh my God.
1: Right. So,
0: I mean, at least we had a couple of highlights. I mean, at least we got to have like the mainstream stage of Eli Drake. I still think at that Hell, time yeah. was like. You know, Impact's best best thing was was Eli Drake, and his amazing promos. I don't care what anyone says. Every time he hit that button and called someone a dummy was amazing. But you know, it, when that is the only thing that's good, you know you have problems. Yeah. So, 2018, we lead into the end, and sort of, kind of good news in a sense. So they lose their TV deal with Pop, and again, you honestly think that this probably would be the end of them. But somehow, they ended up securing a partnership with Twitch to produce content for their platform. So now they start showing Impact Wrestling on Twitch. It was also at this time that Anthem hired Don Callis and Scott D'Amore as vice presidents to take charge of Impact Wrestling. Um, and I think this was probably the best thing. And As a matter of fact, fun fact, Chris Jericho was the one that suggested to Anthem to uh, look out for Don Callis and Scott Moore to hire them as presidents for the creative. As a matter of fact Jericho was v- almost very interested to actually sign for Impact at this time because he and Callis are like long time best friends and he knows Scott Moore as well being fellow Canadians um, which is a very in- again interesting factoid there. So yeah. they, mm. they reverted back to, i think for a little time they went to the six-sided ring and then went back to the four-sided ring after a, uh, after a little while but um at this time they brought back austin aries they debuted Kira hogan sue young uh, pentagon junior and phoenix brian cage they uh they had a little um partnership with lucha underground at this time um and it looked like they were going up and up um and then they of course had this weird thing where you know i think it was very recently actually i believe that rob van dam had a very controversial angle and that kind of got them banned from twitch for a little bit <laughs> um, as you do as one does um but uh it was i think it was shortly after this time they had moved to access tv and so now they have like now they're back on they're back on television doing gangbusters in 2018 Also in 2018, Jeff Jarrett and his company announced that if it it filed a lawsuit against Impact, uh, against Anthem, I should say, uh, for copyright infringements over GFW, Uh, since of course you know Jarrett decided, oh wait, hang on, no, I've still got these copyrights, I'll 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 sue them now, Uh, (laughs) rather than doing it back in 2017, which makes no no sense whatsoever and so there we go we come to the end of 2018
1: and a little a little
0: bit of a good note to end on but still a very very different beast to what it was once back in
2: 2002
0: so gentlemen final thoughts tna
2: as a whole fuck okay um my my one thought is you laying this out for me is the biggest example of how fucking weird wrestling is in the <laughs> entire history of the show. <laughs> I found myself like the reason if I was quiet, I did say that I would probably be a bit quiet with this one, mm. but I think, but it, I I expected it to be quiet because I didn't have anything to contribute. I was actually quiet because I was sit I've been sitting here in basically gobsmacked awe for the past half hour. Pure <gasps> shock. Just pure <laughs> shock on my face. Of I know these guys aren't lying to me, but that can't be how this happened. <laughs> what an absolute meteoric rise, fall, so many lessons. To learn in this, so many lessons that were not learned and continue to not be learned. And, and so instead, I will just end with: I cannot believe that TNA exists in any form as of this recording. That is a ridiculous fact. And that's all I can honestly say. How is it still on television? Dan thoughts.
1: I think it just kind of goes... It goes to show this weird kind of, like... I, I was going to say Groundhog Day. There's probably a better way of putting it. But it's like a company that goes through and like has a really good moment and then just ends up on this steady decline and then they repeatedly just do the same things over <laughs> and over, expecting a different result. Yeah! It's like, it's like, I look at, you know, the decline of the NWA... And then the decline of WCW. Mm. And the decline of TNA. And I'm like, hmm, there seems to be a pattern here. I don't
0: know what kind
1: of... All the stuff, there's like when it starts getting... You know, Mm. you can only jump the shark once. (laughs) The second time um... that you do it, it loses all of its impact. Hey! (laughs) See? I didn't even mean to do that, but I did, so clearly I'm the funniest person alive. <laughs> I just want um, to kind
0: of know what deal Jeff Jarrett made with the devil to keep this thing going.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I that's
1: honestly... So Jeff Jarrett made a deal with Jeff Jarrett.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's my honest takeaway. So, the thing in the Spider-Man cartoon is that Captain America isn't around, and the reason for that is that he he is trapped in a dimension endlessly battling the Red Skull. <laughs> this is what it feels like with TNA. It feels <laughs> like they are I, it really does feel like not WWE, not Ring of Honor, nothing else. TNA's greatest enemy is tna itself it cannot seem oh to get God, out of so its way enemy. yeah it cannot seem to go out of its own way and it's just endlessly battling eternal it's, it's <laughs> such an absolute it's probably one of the biggest internal messes of any <laughs> wrestling federation ever yeah
1: I'm, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I think I it also. I think it also tracks the same thing that I've said before. About, you know, when it comes to WWE, it's such a Goliath mm. like your best role is to not compete but be an alternative.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. And like you do what TNA now, Impact did, where you just alienate a very core cool group of fans. By bringing in Hogan away. and Bischoff, <laughs> I think it's even just the small things. I think even if they didn't bring in Hogan and Bischoff, but they got rid of the six-sided ring, yeah, it starts to lose its identity. Yeah, it starts to lose what made TNA feel like TNA. If it's now Impact, you could like you feel like you want to trace some of that, some of the elements of it, but you can't because you know it. TNA was built on being different. It was built on, you know, giving people who weren't maybe traditional wrestlers a space to a space to exist. Hell, went the full fucking hog, and then when they made the game, they made Suicide explicitly for the game. Then he came around to existing in real
0: and played.
1: I don't know that any other. Company- <laughs> And he would have ever done that.
0: <laughs> and played by everybody, from to Sikenzarian to Jonathan Gresham and TJ Perkins. I feel like, hell, I just, could have worked the gimmick once, like Brian Zane said.
1: <laughs> probably. There's probably many other wrestlers who fucking wore the outfit at some point. <laughs> but it's just like, it, it, it had this very specific thing about it that made me like it. And a lot of other people really like it. Mm. Which was just that it was so... It was an alternative product it wasn't yeah. it was an alternative thing it existed in its own space but then obviously the all-knowing hogan came along and was like all right brother we need to compete with wwe directly which killed it
2: <laughs> it's such a ridiculous notion it didn't need to happen man and- that's what bugs the shit out of me it didn't need to happen mm.
0: and i think I think everyone who listens would be in agreement that it bugged the heck out of absolutely anyone who watched TNA. And if you ask me, that's a good note to end on. A depressing one, but a good note to end on. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Well, that was a a journey and a half. I mean, I feel like I'm saying it, but like these two parts, especially have been a journey and a half. Uh,
1: They have been a journey through my own psyche and mental history.
0: (laughs) Real, yeah, man, <laughs> just man, just,
1: yeah, and I feel like just, I
0: barely scratched the surface, but still feel like I went through and en- I trudged through enough of that company that shows you how much of TNA there is and has been. Yeah. Um, just yeah, just a weird one. So, for the next episode, we have a nice, light hearted one, a quite a, a special offshoot compilation episode we are going to talk about our favourite worst promos.
1: Let's go!
0: For a second, oh. I thought you were going to quote Brock Lesnar there going there, let's do no. this! No, that's for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> so that one is going to be really enjoyable, but until then, thank you as ever for listening into The Sweet Chinwag. I've been Sam, this has been Dan and Reading, and we will see you on the next one.
1: Bye everyone! Yeah. Bye. Goodbye! Goodbye.